Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. All right, so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me. My main text is going to come out of John chapter 4 and then also Luke chapter 7. Okay, so everybody brought your Bible, right? Okay, I heard five people brought their Bibles. Everybody brought their Bible, right? Okay, that's good. Everybody bought, brought a highlighter, right? Okay, that was, that was a little less. Okay, how many of you brought something to write with and to write on? Perfect. Okay, so for those of you that have ever been in a service with me, I talk fast, and I give you a lot of information really quickly. So it's going to be very important that you take note of the scripture references and the points that I'm making this morning, but that so to set up of you going back and re-listening to what I've said and brought forth either on our audio podcast or on our YouTube channel, okay? So write down the scripture references and because I'm going to try to slow it down, but y'all want to get out of here by 1245, right? Oh, some of y'all grumbled at that. Wow. Okay. 1230? 145. Hey, I'm good. Let's do this. No, I'm going to try to, we're going to get you out in normal time, but we're going to get through this and God is going to move in a mighty way. Um, today I want to talk to you about a subject that has always been a very important part of my life. Um, as a musician and as someone that likes to sing, um, worship is always something that is that I have always held very close to my heart and to my chest. Um, but to me, worship should be a vital part of every Christian's life. So the title of today's message is "I Worship," and today I want to talk about what it means to be a true worshiper. So we're going to turn to our main text in John chapter 4 and verse 23. Now I'm going to be, the scripture that I'm going to be reading out of is out of the New Living Translation this morning. So let's read in John chapter 4 verse 23. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. In what way? In spirit and in truth. Okay? So I know that some of you in here this morning feel like you need a clean slate. You need to start with a clean slate and that you need a fresh start in initiating your life of worship to God. So today my goal is to help you understand what it really means to worship. So let's look at Scripture to kind of, kind of see what true worship looks at, okay? So 
Let's turn to Luke chapter 7, and I'm gonna, this is going to be a lengthy verse, so we're going to read 36 through 50, okay? So one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume all over them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, said to himself, Notice this. Did he say it out loud? No. He said it to himself. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered what? His thoughts. Hmm. What kind of thoughts are we having this morning? I'm not going there. Just We're reading scripture, right? This is straight out of scripture. Verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon said, said to the, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time that I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me so much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So let's, let's, let's break this down a little bit uh, before we totally dive straight into this, okay? So it was customary during the time that when you have a dinner party, because if I'm having Jesus at my house... It's not just going to be some bologna sandwiches. With a, a, you might get a piece of cheese. Okay, I'm going all out when I'm hosting Jesus, right? Would y'all do the same? Okay, so it's customary during that time when you have guests coming over that all you greet all of your guests with a kiss. You wash their feet because their main mode of transportation during that time was what? Walking. And they have, I know that y'all have seen them, the Jesus sandals. They either had Jesus sandals or no sandals at all. So please wash your feet. 
Okay? And then they would anoint the guests with perfumed oil because I'm sure that if I'm walking all day in the desert, um, I might get a little bit of a stench. So any perfume would help, right? Okay, but if we look at what happened in Luke chapter 7, we see a picture of two different styles of how people respond to the master. We see this Simon the Pharisee, who is a religious leader. He had no emotion, no water. He did not wash the feet of Jesus. He did not greet Jesus with a kiss. No anointing oil. There was no sacrifice, disrespect. It was just ordinary. And he was forgiven for little, which caused him to love a little. Now this, let's turn the page this other, to the sinful lady, the prostitute. Upon hearing, just hearing that, hey, Jesus is coming to town and his, he is having dinner at the convention hall, she went and bought her ticket immediately. And what did she do? She wept. She continued to wash his feet with her tears. She kissed his feet, poured perfume on his feet. She sacrificed so much. She treated Jesus with the utmost respect And it was so extraordinary that she had been forgiven for much, which caused her to love much. Was the sinful woman afraid? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. But her desire to see and worship Jesus was greater than her fear. That's message number one. I ain't got time today to go into that. But her desire to worship Jesus was greater than her fear. The conclusion is clear. Simon the Pharisee was a high-class sinner and had the same problems as the low-class prostitute. But the woman owed the greater debt, but they both owed a debt that they could not pay. So today I want to share with you three insights into worship. Okay? So if you've got your pen and paper, write this down. Number one, true worship is a revelation of his love. What is it? A revelation of his love. Worship starts with the revelation of God's love. The the revelation is what draws us to Jesus Christ. Before sin came into the world, it was Adam and Eve, right? Yes? Okay. (laughs) To make sure you're still listening. And what did they do? They walked with God. How often? Daily. They walked with him. They talked with him daily. So what was that a representation of? That was a representation of every single day they worshiped Jesus Christ. Because what was ultimately, what was mankind created to do? We were created to worship Jesus Christ. 
So if we are not walking in relationship with him and we are not worshiping Jesus Christ, then we are not fulfilling what we were, what we were created to do. Did y'all get that? God has been winning us back all through history. And you're like, what do you mean? Well, John 3, 16. We've all heard that, right? For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone that believes in him will not, what? Perish, but have eternal life. John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, God showed how much he loved us by what? Sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. We're seeing this. Are we seeing a pattern yet? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. It says, I pray that from this glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will come his home in our hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Can I tell you something? If you do not have this revelation yet, and you've not experienced this revelation, then you need to ask God for that revelation today. Because if we look back at our text at verse 47 of what we read earlier, Jesus was not talking about our capacity to sin, but Jesus was talking about our capacity to understand his love and receive his forgiveness. So let that soak in for just a second. Do you get it? How God, how did God love the world? He gave his one and only son. As a parent, it would be hard for me to give my son to die for other people. I'm just going to, I'm going to, here's the deal. I tell my freedom group this all the time. I'm okay with quiet. I just want that to really sink in for a second. If you are a father, you are a mother, how much love for other people would you have to have to sacrifice your one and only son or daughter for other people? That's quite a big love, you guys. And the thing is, is that over and over in Scripture, we see that God is pursuing us. What should, it should be opposite. We should be pursuing the relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's God is the one that's following us, trying to say, hey, I'm right here. Hey, I'm right here. Come find me. But what we're doing is looking, hmm, Super Bowl. 
Oh, World Series. Oh, NBA Championship. Oh, the Stanley Cup, the World Cup. We're looking at everything else except for looking to God, the source of the one who for, of our forgiveness and our eternal salvation. That source, Jesus Christ. So what was insight number one? To have a what? A revelation of his love. Insight number two, true worship is a response of our hearts. Now, something that I want to ask and I want to make sure is, did you hear anything in Scripture where it talks about you had to have a worship team? Did y'all see anything in there? It's like, hold up, I got to wait for the drummer to get here. No, that wasn't there. Did they have to wait for the keyboardist? Did they have to wait for a rehearsal to get finished? No. Why? Because worship is not about music. It's not. Now, can you worship during music? Yes. I would like for you to, especially when we're up here, you know, giving our all, worshiping God and leading you guys, seeing a response is great to see. Just an FYI. Okay? But after you have a, re a revelation of God's love, there, is n there has to be a response of the heart. And once we experience God's love, then we are compelled to act. So let's look at Luke chapter 15. Or we're not going to look there, but for your reading this week, how's that? So Luke chapter 15 shares the stories of three accounts of being lost and found. We see the story of the lost coin. We see the story of the lost sheep. We see the story of the lost and the prodigal son. And we all know the stories. And after the prodigal son, the son who had foolishly spent all of his inheritance which was working in a pig farm, he had a revelation. And that revelation of his father's love and goodness. The one who gave his only begotten son. Think about that love. And that goodness. He had the choice that this boy had the choice to stay in his current state or run back to his father. What he did was an example of a response with the heart. When you understand how much you have been forgiven, then it makes you bold. I want, I'm going to repeat that because I really, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Is when you understand how much you, you have been forgiven, it makes you bold. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confident in God's presence. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, um, a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, verse 22, let us go right into the presence of God. 
with sincere hearts, fully trusting in him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne. And did you, are you catching the commonality of what each of these verses are saying? Come boldly. We should not be coming scared and fearful for what God is going, for what, what we have been done. Because guess what? That's, that's Satan playing that over in your head, saying you are such a sinner, you have no place in the presence of God. That is not at all what God is telling us. That is a lie from the devil. That is a lie of the enemy. Because what God is calling you to do is come boldly into my presence. Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. We have a choice in how we respond. You have a choice how you respond to the love and grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. When we encounter a true revelation of God's love, we can deny it, we can tuck it away, or we can let it change our lives forever. We can let it change our lives forever. What's your response? You're like, well, Daniel, I can't go crazy up in worship. Why? Are you too dignified? Are you holding that status in society higher than your response to Jesus Christ? Uh-oh. It got quiet up in here. It's, kind of, it's time that I'm going to bring this bring this to close, the final insight that I want to give you today is true worship is a revolution of our lives. Revolution. Now, here's today. I haven't given you this useless information yet, okay? But I want you, you know, many of us, when we hear the word revolution, we're like, we need to have a war? No. I'm going to tell you that what the Oxford Dictionary says about revolution. A revolution is a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favor of a new system. We need to have a revolution of the heart. We need to have a what? Well, let's look at the definition. We need to have a forceful overthrow of what has been governing our lives has anybody in here sinned? Oh, I'm, a, I'm, in, I'm in a room full of perfect people, right? How many of you have sinned? Yes, we have all sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. So we, are, we have a sin nature that is built inside of us. So it's time for us to have a revolution of the heart and understand that God is calling out. He is waiting for us to show ourselves that we are ready to turn and run to him 
instead of running to sin. We are try- God is calling us to come to him. And he will give you that ultimate high, if you will, instead of giving you what is temporary and that has earthly consequences. He's saying, if you will come to me, then I will bless you abundantly. When the Spirit of God stirs something in our lives, in our hearts. God is trying to interject his life and his love into your heart and life this morning. After we have a revelation of his love and we respond to it, we won't be able to think the same. We won't be able to live the same or we won't be able to worship the same. We won't be able to worship half-heartedly anymore. Because when the Spirit of God, when an opportunity arises and comes, that we will openly and boldly run to the throne and say, God, I am a sinner, but yet I am set free in Jesus' name. The sinful woman's desire to see and worship Jesus was greater than her fear and was greater than her shame. Because for those of you that have gone through freedom, shame causes separation. Hmm. And if we have fear and we have shame, then that keeps us from drawing closer to Jesus Christ. But God is saying, Come to me. Come to me. He's calling out and giving us opportunity to draw nearer to him. It's okay to express your feelings and emotions through tears and weeping. It's okay. Some of you need a cleansing. And when you let it go physically, it does something emotionally. I'm going to say that again because I didn't. that was good. When you let it go physically, then it does something emotionally. The sinful woman had a physical display of worship. Do you think that this woman was overcome with emotion waiting for a worship team to play the right song or wait until Sunday morning to go to church? Absolutely not. She didn't wait. She was tired of playing games, but she got real. What did she do? She fell to her knees. She kissed his feet. She wiped his feet with her tears. You guys, when we are worshiping God, uh, the God of all creation, there is no right way and there is no wrong way to worship him. As long as you are doing it unto the Lord and not to draw attention to yourself, there is no right way or wrong way to worship. You can run. You can dance. You can shout. You can kneel. You can lay down on the floor. You can stand with your hands lifted high and with tears running down your face. There is no right way. There is no wrong way to worship God Almighty. 
But what there has to be, there has to be a revelation. There has to be a response to the anointing of Jesus Christ. Something that we must be aware of is not to judge those who may be more expressive in their worship. As our text showed us, what did Simon the Pharisee, what did he do? He saw this woman and looked down, at, down his nose at her and said, does he know what this woman is? And that what is so great about this is that he did not say it audibly, but Jesus responded to it. But Jesus responded to it. We may never know what the hurt and the pain that is being celebrated and released in someone's worship. I've had people, they're like, Pastor Daniel, when you get up there and worship sometimes, don't you think you're, it's a little much of what you do? I've had people say that to me. I said, what? Are you serious? And I told them, I'm like, you guys, I've got something to celebrate. I have got something to celebrate. Because back in 2000, 2007, 2008, that was probably some of the hardest times that I've ever had in my entire life. You're like, well, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony that some of you might not have heard before. Okay? I, I had um, a stillborn baby boy. Back in early, two, um, back in 2008. My wife at the time was 20, 26 weeks pregnant. I was attending my grandmother's funeral. And then on my way back to Hot Springs from Jacksonville, Arkansas, I get out around the Little Rock Airport and her water breaks. And I held my baby boy lifeless in my hands. That's tough. And then that later that year, my wife at the time comes home and says, Daniel, I don't want to be married to you anymore. I'm leaving. That's the hardest that I have ever been punched in the gut in my life. In the same year. And people want to judge me on how I worship my God. This is for somebody here in this room today. God is a God of restoration. God is not going to bring us through difficult times and tests and trials just to say, good job, you made it. No. 
But God is going to use that trauma. God is going to use those tests and those trials to be part of your testimony. Because let me tell you, my God is a God of restoration. And my God blessed me with a beautiful wife and kids over and above what I had. God is a God of restoration of over and above. So guess what? I am going to make the decision to rejoice any opportunity that I get. And guess what? I am going to celebrate and I am going to worship when the anointing comes on me. I am so very thankful for what God has brought me through. You better believe it. I am going to worship him. We may never know that hurt and that pain that is being celebrated and released and released in someone's worship. When our life is revolutionized, it will lead us to offer a sacrifice. The woman poured out oil and perfume. She sacrificed back to God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. It says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. In Chronicles 21, verse 24, King David said, I will not present burnt offerings that have not cost me nothing, or that have cost me nothing. So my question to you today is, what does your offering cost? What does your worship offering cost you? When you capture the magnitude of Jesus' sacrifice, you can't help but to sacrifice back to him. Serving in the church is a sacrifice back to him. Giving your money and resources is a sacrifice back to him. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, and it says, Everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times. How much? a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. God will replace your giving with an upgrade. So media team, if you'll go ahead and play some music for me, you may have to adjust the volume just a little bit. But in closing, I want you to think about this. That we worship God with our flesh, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our will, our emotions, and our giving. I challenge you today to listen When it's time to worship, you're like, well, when is it time to worship? <laughs> you tell me. 
There's been times in the car that I'll close my eyes, raise my hands. No, I'm not driving. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus, take the wheel. But you know what? You can worship in your car. And I know some of y'all do it because I've pulled up beside of you and I'm cranking my window down to wave and I'm hearing, Waymaker! Okay? Jason Snead. (laughs) Simon wanted the casual appearance. Uh, Get this in your heart and soul. Simon wanted the casual appearance of a relationship. He was having someone of status come to his house to eat dinner. But that is as far as that relationship went. That is as far as it went. The sinful woman, she abandoned everything. She didn't care how foolish that she looked to those around her because she abandoned everything. Many people want the appearance of a relationship with Jesus Christ. They want that appearance, but they're not willing to lose themselves to worship. Simon was there with Jesus, but Jesus' love did not cause the same reaction in Simon as it did in the sinful woman. Why is that? Simon wanted Jesus to know him. Did you get that? Simon wanted Jesus to know him instead of him knowing Jesus. Let's let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, dear God, for your word. We thank you for your anointing that we feel in this place. Lord, we thank you for the knowledge that you have poured out on us this morning. Is there anyone in this room this morning that wants to admit, and again, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to say, Pastor Daniel, I've had the wrong approach. You've wanted God to know you instead of you really wanting to know him. If that is you, all I ask is that you slip your hand right up and right back down. This is just to answer. Yes, I see those hands all across the room. Yes, 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 yes. I see them. Any, anyone else? Yes, I see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And this morning, this is, this, is the, this is the time that the tide turns. And from now on, we are going to approach worship with our whole heart 
and holding nothing back. If you guys would stand with me this morning. And what we're going to do in dismissal, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to repeat after me. And you guys, this is just an opportunity for us to thank God of his grace and thank God of his goodness. And we are going to have a response. So if you would, raise your hands with me and say, Dear God, thank you for forgiving me for all of my sin, for everything that I've ever done. I am forgiven. And I will worship you with my whole heart, every secret part. I will worship you. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. And everybody said, amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.